The people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Albeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, what came thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should use nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would uh, bless your uh, word to our ears. Lord, that uh, as the word is preached this morning, that the seed of your word would fall upon fertile soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In John chapter 6, everything so far, everything is connected from the feeding of the 5,000 to Jesus and Peter walking on water, which we talked about last week, to today's sermon, to next week's, and to the following week, everything is all connected. The same crowd that we saw at the feeding of the 5,000, we're going to see all the way through until the end of chapter 6. And so, today we're going to continue in our study as we go through the Gospel of John, that we may believe that Jesus is who he said he is. This week Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What does this mean? Well, you know what? Jesus offers us a gift. I'm going to start in verse 26 and uh, 27, which says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him as God the Father sealed. Now the context of, of this entire encounter is interesting. Like I said, 
beginning of chapter 6, we read the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 plus. After this miracle, Jesus withdrew from the crowds and went to go pray. Because also he knew that they were going uh, to come and try and take him by force to make him king. This is uh, We see this in John chapter 6, verse 15. And then he goes on and Jesus in the night walks on water. And as the boat crosses the lake, the next morning, the crowd that had been fed by Jesus the night before, the feeding the 5,000, went to Capernaum in search of him. When they find Jesus, he says, he says, uh, he says that uh, to, them, uh, to them, he says, basically, he says, you have, the reason why you come, the reason why you are here is not because you're seeking miracles, but because of the, uh, because you partook in the load. You took, uh, you took part in the feeding of the 5,000, which was a miracle in and of itself. In other words, what Jesus is telling them, he tells them not to seek for a, to seek or work for food that spoils, but, uh, but offers them far better, which is food of, of everlasting life or eternal life. He tells them to seek eternal salvation over temporary substance. So many times we get so caught up and figure out and try to figure out where our next food is going to come from, where the next meal is going to come from, or anything else. But think about this. Jesus himself said, do not worry about food or anything else because think about the birds. He says, think about the birds. The more uh, they, they labor and they toil and they do everything else, and yet they are fed. They don't worry about where the food's coming from. If God cares that much more about the birds, he cares that much more about you. And so that's what Jesus is trying to convey to them, that don't worry about where your food's going to come from. Because he's going to take care of you. Jesus is saying that he is the bread that satisfies. He is the bread that also gives life eternal. Jesus is saying, saying here that what bread is to the stomach, he is to the soul. All of us in life struggle to, be, uh, to find meaning and purpose and worth. That is because God created us to be in a relationship with him. But because of sin, we are separated. We are not living the life God created us to live. We can, we can and do attempt to fill that cavity with a host of other things out there. But finally, nothing fills our hunger or purpose and significance except Jesus. You will never truly be content in life without him. There's a story that was told that uh, as the World War II was drawing to a close, the Allied armies gathered up all the hungry orphans because there were so many of them. They placed them in camps where they were well fed. Despite the excellent care, they slept poorly. They seemed nervous and afraid. Finally, a psychiatrist uh, came to the camp and figured out the situation. Each ch a child was given a piece of bread to hold after he was put to bed, he or she was put to bed. This particular piece of bread was not just to be he uh, was just to be held and not eaten. The piece of bread produced wonderful results. The children went to bed knowing instinctively that they would have food to eat the next day. That guarantee gave the children a restful and contented sleep. If we would realize that we don't just live for bread alone in this world, but for the bread of life, Jesus offers his life 
for us. And he will take care of us. When Jesus had, had fed the crowd, none of them had earned the meal that they received. It was given to them freely. Nobody said, hey, here, here's my money. I'm going to give it to you. They just, it was a free gift. And now Jesus is going on to the same crowd, offering to them again a much greater gift, eternal life. In light of such an offer, we know what those who were there didn't know, don't we? We must accept the gift with a great, with great thanksgiving and praise. We must have immediately, they must have immediately jumped at such a generous offer. You would think that Jesus offered them eternal life, that they would have jumped at that offer without hesitation, that there, would, that there was nothing too great for them for them to uh, offer themselves, uh, offer. But instead of receiving the gift Jesus, that Jesus offered, the crowd questioned it. How many times have we seen that? Where you offer somebody something for free, you offer them a gift, a blessing, and they want to pay you for it. Or what's the catch? Here the gift is questioned. Understand what is happening here. Jesus has offered them eternal life to the ground, but instead of, instead of jumping at the chance, they respond with two questions. The first question is, in verses 28 through 29, is, okay, how much? John 28 says this, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? They don't understand at this point, they're saying how much, but he, Jesus is offering it to them, Free of charge is a free gift. You can't pay your way into heaven. You can't do anything else to get into heaven except accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's nothing else. Jesus is offering them this bread for free. He just said, accept me, live for me, and that's all that it is. But they want to know how much, how much it is. How many times have we seen that person try and offer money or try and offer their labor or their work or anything else? to try and get their way into heaven. But before we criticize these people too much, let us remember that we are a lot like them, aren't we? We often seek to earn God's gift of eternal salvation rather than just accepting it. If I do this, then God will love me. If I do that, God will love me. If I do this or this or that, God will love me more. And we have that attitude that God, that somehow that God is not going to uh, that, that the gift is not to be received by faith and that is exactly what it is it is a, a free gift to be accepted by faith so what is Jesus' answer Jesus' answer is a simple one just believe that's all it is you believe in faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ verse 29 says Jesus answered and said unto them this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Who did God send? He sent Jesus. He said, believe on him whom I have sent. So many people want to make it all works. All these other religions, they're all works-based. They say, well, if you do this and this and this, if you're kind to people, if you do this, 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 then I'll accept you. No, Jesus said, accept me, a free gift. That's all you got to do. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is seen in Acts chapter 8, verses 36 to 38. It says this, and as they went on their way, 
This is talking about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch wants to know what to do to be saved. He wants to know if he has to be baptized. And he says this. He says, And they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? So he's saying he wants to get baptized. But Philip asks him, he says, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuchs answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is the requirement right there. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he was bat uh, he baptized him. What does he say? The requirement is, is that we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and what does the Bible say? You shall be saved. It is plain and simple. Obviously, there are certain things, if you believe upon the Lord Jesus, if you believe with all your heart, what's going to happen? There's going to be change that happens. There's always going to be change that happens. Why? Because, not because you're trying to gain God's favor, but because of the fact that you love him and you don't want to do things that are against him. Salvation must take, clear, uh, take place first before anything else is true. So we can sit there and pray a prayer, we can do all these things, and if we don't mean it, we don't mean the prayer that we're doing, or anything by it, it's nothing. But if we believe with all of our heart that God can save us and change us and transform us, then it takes effect. John chapter 6, uh, verses 30 and uh, 31 says this, says, They said, therefore unto him, what signs... Do you show them that we may see and believe? What do you work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave bread from heaven to eat. They missed the point again. So instead of the fact of them saying, what, how much? How much do I have to do? What, what am I going to do? What, what about this? What about that? They say, okay, well, now prove it. Prove it. He's telling them, that, uh, he's telling Jesus to prove it. He says, we may, that we may see and believe, uh, believe you. He's asking them to prove it. He says, show us a miracle so that we can believe in you. Jesus' answer, again, is a simple one. Verse 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Jesus is basically say, <laughs> said to them, you want to see a miracle? Here I am. I am the miracle. Jesus is saying, I am the miracle. God Almighty laid aside his majesty and became one of us so he could die on the cross for our sins. His life was an even greater miracle than when God had sent manna in the wilderness. Now think about this, manna in the wilderness. They were wandering around 40 years, and you know the reason why, because they were disobedient the first time. They didn't listen to God, and what God told them, God told them to go right up into the promised land. Just go right up in there, I've given it to you. And they got afraid because they said they saw giants. And so, God, you know, so instead of obeying God, going into the promised land, doing anything else, they said, no, we're gonna stay outside of here. And so they wander around in the desert for 40 years. They go. But even in the midst of that, what does God do? He sends manna. He sends bread. 
from heaven. Can you imagine if we're sitting out here right now, but instead of rain, all of a sudden you saw bread fall from heaven? I mean, that would be, I, I don't know about you, but I would be pretty amazed that all of a sudden there's bread falling from heaven, but even at that, they didn't want to believe. Remember that this is this is not a crowd unfamiliar to Jesus. They know who he was. A few hours before, Jesus had done a mighty miracle in feeding the 5,000. If this had not convinced them, nothing would have. Think about it. They had five loaves and two fish. Everybody knew that there was no food, and all of a sudden, Jesus multiplies it. Today, we often demand that God do miracles to validate his claims while forgetting he already has provided a miracle himself. Or we look to somebody else, some, some TV preacher, some internet preacher, to validate in order to follow, you know, in order to do it. And we often look at them as almost being the Messiah and believing them over what God's word already says. It's a sad reality that oftentimes people will sit there and follow these heretics online. And I say heretics because they're out there quote-unquote performing these miracles and doing all these things. And we would rather believe them even though they're not preaching what God's word says in the first place. I can start naming names and uh, naming churches that do this. And people follow them they flock to them. If it doesn't say it in God's word, this is a side note, this is a rabbit trail. If it doesn't say it in God's word, don't believe it. Don't follow after the gold dust and the feathers and all this other stuff that's out there. And you, you start laughing and you think that's not true. But it is. There are churches blowing gold dust into their services going, oh, look at it, it's the glory of the Lord. Really? Seriously? No, it's not. It's called, it's an air conditioning unit that's blowing it in there. Or feathers. Or anything else. I'm sorry. I get a little riled up when, you know, it goes against God's word. Jesus has already done the greatest miracle. He became a man and died for you and me. He didn't, he didn't want to be known as Jesus the miracle man. He wanted to be known as Jesus the Savior. He wanted to know people to know that they could get eternal life through him, that he is the bread of life. Now don't get me wrong, miracles are okay. But they never validate or conflict with what the scriptures are already revealed. Think about this the next time that you're watching somebody and they proclaim that they're going to do something. All these prosperity preachers. I saw one the, I saw one and I turned it off and I began to laugh and then I was sad afterwards because there are people believing this. He began to pray and say that the coronavirus was going to go away because he was going to blow it away. And literally as he began to pray, he was... Now this is back March 29th. Has the coronavirus gone away? And he said it was gone on that day at noon. It is not gone. He's a heretic, and he needs to be exposed for it, Mr. Kenneth Copeland. All right. I need one. Sorry, I was going to not do that, but I did. Second Thessalonians says, even him who is coming after, what, uh, is, uh, is, sorry, who's coming is after the working of Satan, will all power and signs and lying wonders. The Bible says that Satan performs wonders and signs and power validated with God's word, not with what your experience is. Second Corinthians 11 14 says, and no marvel for Satan himself transformed into an angel of light. This is how all these other religions started. Joseph Smith was visited by an angel, Satan, uh, 
Satan transformed himself into an angel of light. This is what Joseph Smith said that the golden plates were all about. That a, an angel came and told him, and he rolled down the golden plates. These golden dishes, I don't know. And all these other different ones. Islam is the exact same way. Muhammad met an angel who told him about Allah. These are all these false religions. They all come out of it. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as a lightning uh, fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be any, by any means hurt you. And we go, oh, this is amazing. The Lord's going to do this. But here's the thing. It says this. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Bible says not to sit there and, and take all the conduit. Go, oh, well, we're able to cast out demons. We're able to do this miracle and that miracle. He says, no. He says, rejoice because your name is written in the in the book of life, that your name is written in heaven. That is not the reason why we're to glory, is he, so we can do signs and wonders and miracles. The reason why we glory is because he is the bread of life. He is the one that is to come for us. He is he's the one that writes our names down in heaven. Why? Because we accept his free gift. We accept his free gift. The greatest miracle that Jesus Christ will ever perform and has ever performed is the miracle of salvation. That happens when we accept him as Lord and Savior. I have seen amazing things in my life. But the greatest miracles I have ever seen is a miracle of a changed life. When Jesus Christ takes someone, a sinner, and makes them into a saint and changes them and transforms them, that is the greatest miracle. That is the greatest miracle. I stand before you as a miracle. Many of you know this. Many of you have heard this. My life of how I was before I gave it to Jesus Christ. And you could say that my life is radically changed and transformed. And I believe that those in the parking lot that are here this morning have similar testimonies of what God has done in his life and their in their lives. Now this is only part one. Next week I'll do part two. We'll finish this dialogue of what we see happening. In this conversation, Jesus is offering them salvation. And they take it for granted. But this morning, I want to make that same, that same offer that Jesus made. This morning, will you receive that gift of salvation? The gift of eternal life. How will you respond to his offer today? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one is without excuse. No one can sit there and say, I have not sinned. So since we've all sinned, Romans 6.3 says this, says, For the wages of sin is death. And so we can sit there and, and know that when we have sinned, the wages of our sin is death. Jesus is offering us the free gift of salvation today. Jesus claimed to be the bread of life, which literally means that Jesus is making a direct claim to be, uh, to be God incarnate, God in the flesh. 
He says that he alone is the source of everlasting life. And that he alone can satisfy. You need to either accept or reject that claim. There is no neutral ground. You can't sit there and say, well, you know what, I want to check out everything else, but I still, I, I kind of want to pray that, but check out everything else. It's not going to happen. It's an all or nothing thing. Everlasting life that Jesus offers was purchased for us at a price. Jesus gave us his body, and in, the, in that he died on the cross for our sins. He was broken so that we could live. What do you need to do in order to earn this salvation? The answer is, is that you just need to believe. I've already said it before, there's nothing that you can do. This is a free gift. You can't earn salvation. Mark chapter 1, verse 13 says, You repent and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That is it. Short and simple. That is what it is. But you, well, let me let, uh, let you know this. There is, it is more than a physical death. Because most people will look at Romans 6.3 and say, For the wages of sin is death. It was all great. Oh, that's, that's good. It's a physical death. No, it's also a spiritual death as well. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 14 through 15 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Remember, Jesus already talked about not to glory in all the miracles or anything else, but rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. And you say, well, that's the second death. There's a physical death and there's a spiritual death. You say, well, I'm a person. Well, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, also gives us a list of people that will be cast into the lake of fire. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving, that would be ones that don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So that is, that's who's going to be cast in there. So what person out there can say that they never told a lie? That they never, ever told a lie? I find it funny that there's all these what, what we, we consider to be horrible or heinous sins or, or bad things. And then he, in the, at the end of the list, he says, and all liars. But here's the thing. Here's the amazing thing. As I've already talked about this morning, we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to. Let me finish the second half of Romans 6.23. Remember it says, for the wages of sin is death. Second half says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't have to die and go to hell. We need to receive that gift from Jesus Christ. And it's a free gift, a gift through, uh, through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace ye are saved through faith. Is that not of yourselves? It is, a, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn a gift. Someone had to pay that ransom, and that person was Jesus Christ. Romans 5 8 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
I don't know about you, but that gets me excited when I see the fact that even while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He knew. He offered that gift. He made that gift known. For some of us, we'll sit there and say, you know what, I, I, I know this. Time. I already know a lot of this. I already, I've heard this time and time again. And the thing is, is your life is not changed. And this morning is an opportunity for that to happen. Remember that there is only one who lived a sinful life, died on a cross, and was buried and rose again on the third day, paying our ransom. A few things that we must believe or that we must know about the Lord Jesus Christ and believe what the Bible says on We can't just say, I'm going to pray a prayer and never read God's word or never believe God's word. I find it funny that there are so many people that say that they believe on Jesus, but you ask them, when's the last time that you read God's word or last time that... And they'll say, oh, well, it was about six, seven years ago or ten years ago. How can you believe something and you don't want to read about it? Oh, I already know all that stuff. I don't know about you, but if I ever went to my wife and said, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to know about you. And I don't want to tell you that I love you and I don't want to, you know, whatever. Because you should already know that. I told you that one time already. I mean, I don't understand what your, you know, I don't understand what your problem is. I told you that 20 years ago. How many of you know that if I said that to my wife, I may be sleeping on the couch? <laughs> the same thing with Jesus Christ. We know him through his word. We read his word. Why? Because we love him and we want to know more and more about him. Unless you can tell me that you memorized the entire Bible from front to cover, and I guarantee that if you did, you would want to know him more. Even if you memorized it all, you still would want to know him more. There's a few things you need to know that God came in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 1, verse 14, and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who is the only begotten of the Father? It is Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if we believe that, if we know this, this is what it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, as well, verse 13. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart Man believes unto righteousness, and with the, uh, the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, Mark chapter 1, verse 15 says, Repent ye and believe the gospel. What is repentance and belief? Because this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is the one who say, Repent ye and believe the gospel. What is it? It is a change of heart. And it is also a confession and acknowledgement of, of sin, trusting only in Jesus Christ to save you. Here's the thing. We can sit there and you say, Pastor Sean, this is elementary. I've already known this. I, I grew up in church or I knew this stuff. Or don't you understand? You know, I do this, 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 and this for the church. Or I do this for people. Or I do this, this, and this. If you do not Believe in faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ. All you're trying to do is work your way into heaven. 
You can do all the works you want, everything that you want to do, and say, you know, I'm a good person. I did this, this, and this, and give your resume, uh, your, your whole big long resume. Remember, the Apostle Paul himself gave his list. He said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And uh, went through his laundry list of all these things. And what did he say? It is but dumb compared to knowing Christ. You can give your list. You can say, I, I do this for the church. I do this or this or this for Jesus. It does not matter unless you're believing on faith. And that is it for your salvation. Now I want everyone in their car to sit there and ponder and begin to think about that. And if you're at home, I want you to begin to, to think upon that. Am I relying upon what I do for salvation for Jesus Christ? Or do, am I believing in faith that Jesus Christ is the only one that can save me? The reason why we, this, this should be the only reason why we do, uh, we do things for other people. It's because we're showing the love of Christ to somebody else. It has nothing to do with our salvation. Alright? It has nothing to do with that. But what it does is that because we love Christ, because we love what He's done for us, because we love Him, that's why we do those things. 